welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 28th of June 2009, entitled, Until He Comes, Tackling Today. And the Bible reading is taken from James chapter 5, verses 7 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. James chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not for the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And again, the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again this evening. Lord, just for the privilege of being in your house. Father, I thank you for health and strength. I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have that we often take so much advantage of. I thank you for each one that you've allowed to be here this evening. Father, we thank you for your word that we've just read from. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. Lord, that you've promised to him that we can have these words enlightened and made alive to our souls. And Father, we pray that this evening, Lord, that you would take and anoint thy servant not because of anything that we deserve, but Father, because we stand in such great need this evening. If anything is to be accomplished here this evening, Lord, it must come from you. You know the hearts of each individual. You know, as we gather here this evening, if there be one in our midst that's lost, that's, that's never been saved, that's never put their faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ, and Lord, I pray that if there be one present in that condition, that you, through the power of your Spirit, will convict their souls and allow them to, to see their sins, but Lord, allow them to see Jesus Christ and Lord, the way that their sins can be forgiven. Father, we pray for each Christian here this evening as well. Lord, we pray that if there's any that's walking at a distance, that's walking afar off, Lord, that you might this evening draw them near to you. 
Lord, for the Christian that's maybe carrying a burden that has a specific challenge in their life, Lord, that you might meet those needs this evening. And Father, if we could just simply ask that in some way, Lord, through your power, through your word, maybe if we could leave here this evening in some way a bit more like our Savior than when we came, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. He said, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. He said in verse 8, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now, I know sometimes I, I hear people and they ask the question, they say, well, you know, that was a long time ago. <laughs> a couple thousand years have passed and he thought it was close and near then. But, you know, in the span of eternity, that's nothing. It is the day that we live in. We live in this wonderful day of grace. And the truth is, is that it is near. We don't know when the hour would come. I believe it's certainly a lot nearer than any of us know, but the fact is, as Christians, as we gather here this evening, those that have gone before us, those that many of them, it has cost them their very lives to be willing to stand up for that faith. The truth is, we can take great comfort and great confidence in the fact of knowing that He is coming and that His coming is near but how do we handle today? You say, I, I am waiting and I am looking and I'm so hopeful for that day that it'll be soon. But how do I get through the troubles and the struggles and the, the difficulties that I'm facing right now in my life? And you know, that's really, there's so many things in these verses that we have read. You think I preached a long time this morning. We could go a lot longer this evening, amen. And there's a lot of good stuff there. It's exciting and encouraging for us as Christians. But I want to take a couple of nuggets out of it this evening, if you would. And I want to remind you of these simple things in your life. How can you tackle today? How can you handle the struggles that you've got right now? Well, the first one's one that most of us in the flesh struggle with. And the first one is he's simply exhorting you to patience. He said, be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, until he gets here, we need some patience. We need some endurance, if you would. And he goes on and he illustrates that to us there in, in verse 7. Behold, the, the husband and the farmer, he waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receiveth the early and the latter rain. You see, he goes out there and he works in all of his labor, but he, he doesn't see anything right now but he knows that it's coming. He knows that there will be a result. He knows the harvest will be there at some point. There'll be a day of reaping. You see, so many times in our trials and our hardships that we're going through in this life, sometimes it is a preparation process. We've looked at some of these things before. Why do we face the trials, the difficulties, the struggles? Why do we face a lot of things? And there's Lots of reasons for it. But we know with absolute certainty, if God is allowing you to be there, there is no question whatsoever, all things, not 99.99999999%, 
all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, praise God. There's no question. I don't care who's behind it. I don't care if it's God working or if it's Satan fighting against you. I don't care if it's somebody that's your closest friend or your worst enemy. The truth is, if it's there, God will work it for your good. He says, just remember this. And of course, he personalizes that. As he's told us about, remember the farmer. He goes out and he labors and he works and he does all this. And sometimes you can just get discouraging and say, nothing seems to be happening. I've worked so hard, but I don't see anything for it. You know, I'm just reminded, I was sharing with somebody here a while back. You know, ever since that, ever since that I've been here at Bethel, since 1990, in some way, shape, or form, we've been on the doors, we've been in the open airs, we've been out in the community sharing the gospel. You know, there's times when you could go months and months and months and months, and you've given out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tracts. You've been out there and nobody wants to talk about it and you see nothing coming from it. And yes, it can be discouraging. And sometimes you say, well, what's the use? You know, then times, there's some of you right here this evening, others that were here this morning that are here because somebody had handed them a track one day. Because somebody spoke to you one day. Somebody shared a word. And the truth is, is probably as soon as you were given that track, or matter of fact, there's some here that are members of this church that were given tracks and they went home and they threw them off to the side somewhere. And it was sometime later that they went back and they picked it up. They read it and they turned up here. Folks, listen, the truth is, you, me, nor any other Christian, we can't save anybody we can't, and, and the truth is, if we try to go out there and twist their arms and connive them and talk them into it, they're not going to really get it anyway. God's called us to be faithful. And sometimes, just like the farmer, sometimes you're sowing and you're sowing and you're sowing. Sometimes you got the privilege to be the one that's coming along and, and watering what somebody else has already been sowing. And you know, one of the greatest joys in a Christian's life is when sometimes you get to be there for the harvest, praise God. Sometimes, and, and you know, I don't even, if, if you haven't experienced that as a Christian, I don't even know how to express it in words. I thank God, you know, that I've got to do a lot of things in my life that I've enjoyed. But I can tell you this evening with hand on heart, there is nothing that's ever blessed my soul more than having the privilege of leading someone to Christ. <laughs> I know with everything else in all of the world, there is nothing. There is nothing that I can give them. There is nothing that anybody can do for them that's more precious than that. Sometimes God will allow you, but the truth is, many times somebody else had been sowing the seeds. Somebody else had been doing the watering. God calls us to be faithful. He says, be patient. Be patient patient. Remember the farmer. He sows the seed, but he's got to wait for the rain to come. He's got to wait for that harvest to come, but he knows it is coming. And he says, be ye also patient. I like what he says. He says, establish 
your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Establish your hearts. What have we been looking at in our series on contending for the faith? What have we been looking at as we've been begin to look into those fundamentals of the faith? We need to be established in the faith. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And we need to know that we believe it because it's what God has told us. It's what God has taught us. It's not just what some church or some denomination or even some preacher. We're all fallible. But we need to be established in the faith. You know, the simple truth is today is too many times people don't know. Sometimes they don't know what they believe. And if they do know what they believe, they don't know why they believe it. He says, establish yourself. Be established. That's something that today, what you're tackling today, yes, the Lord's coming. Praise God, we're looking for that day. But be patient. Establish yourself in this faith. He says in verse 9, grudge not. That's, we might say grumble. <laughs> grumble not against another. Brother, unless ye be condemned. Boy, have you ever noticed that sometimes it's when you're at your lowest, when you're down, when you're maybe discouraged? Boy, it's awful easy to look over and say, boy, yeah, look at what old so-and-so's doing over there. I'm glad I don't live like that. <laughs> it's awful easy to start grudging, grumbling against the other, seeing everybody else's faults. Well, again, We've recently on Wednesday nights, we've been, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've, we've looked at a lot of practical things concerning that. You know, get that two by four out of your own eye <laughs> before you worry about the splinter that's in his, amen. He says, don't waste your time grumbling and grudging against someone else. Testings and trials, and so many times, if we're not careful, we'll let it sour our attitudes, <laughs> We just get thinking, stinking thinking, as they say. <laughs> the devil loves that. He loves to get you thinking about all the, the bad things and the difficulties. He likes to get those bitter attitudes worked up within us. But notice, notice what he says here. Grudge not against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. <laughs> the judge standeth before the door. You know what happens when the judge enters the courtroom? Silence. Everybody that's talking, everybody that's discussing everything that's going to happen, they'll come in and they'll give you a warning that he's coming and everybody stands and they pay reverence to that judge. Nobody's talking when he comes in. Folks, there's only one judge. There's only one judge. Boy, I'm, I am so grateful. Have you ever thought something bad about somebody and then found out later just how wrong that you were. <laughs> just how wrong that you were because you just didn't know the whole story. You didn't know what was going on. You didn't know what was happening. Have you ever noticed how that sometimes it seems so easy when somebody comes along and they say, do you, do you know what so-and-so did? It's so easy just to believe what they're saying. Truth is, we're not other people's judge. You know, he says there's going to be tares amongst the wheat. It's going to be there. 
But it's not for us to start to trying to figure out which is which. Don't waste your time trying to figure out everybody else's problems. Be patient. He says in verse 10, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. He gives us example after example after example. One of the greatest, he tells in the next verse, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And of course, that's a whole different message in itself. I mean, how many times, how many times is that man Job in all of his troubles and difficulties? And I mean, folks, we just think we're having it tough sometimes. I mean, he lost everything. Everything was gone. Then all his good friends is trying to tell him, you know, it's because he's done this wrong and he's done this wrong and he's done this wrong. They meant well. They had no idea what God was doing in his life. But boy, in the end, <laughs> the Lord came through. The Lord showed him. You know, he says, take them as an example. Recognize, remember, God is in control. You know, I, I take confidence. I don't always like everything God allows to come my way. I don't always like his timing. But the truth is, I have to come back and chastise myself sometimes. He knows best. His timing's always right. And if he allows it, I don't care if it's because, you know, you might be going through this because of sin in your life. Well, the truth is, you need to get rid of that sin. And if this chastisement that's coming your way is to get that sin out of your life, then I don't care how much it hurts, it's worth it. Truth is, it might be something that's strengthening you for something you've got to face down the road, or it might be something that you're going through to help somebody else get some, through something down the road. We've discussed before, there's all kinds of reasons. But do we believe? Be patient. Take these examples. God is in control. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't make mistakes. We find that... He goes on and he reminds them, boy, you've seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful. He has pity and of tender mercy. I want you to notice in, in verse 12 as he carries on here, he says, but above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. We need to be patient in our speech sometimes too. We need to be careful what we say. Do you, do you remember, most of you were here this morning. We talked about that fundamental of the faith, the Word of God. We talked about the very foundation of our faith, the Word of God. We talked about the power of the Word. When we look, and I mean, all God had to do was speak and it was done. We looked at the power of the Word there in, in John chapter 1 when the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He beheld His glory, <laughs> full of truth, mercy. Praise God. The, we need to be patient in our speech. One of the first noticeable changes, I believe when the Holy Spirit takes over an individual's life is often in their speech. 
You didn't used to talk like that. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you become one of those Jesus nuts, haven't you? That's why some Christians are afraid to speak up. They're afraid to be noticed. Just like, you know, just like Peter. You know, it, it began in his denial of the Lord. He just kind of wanted to blend in. <laughs> he didn't want to be noticed. He just wanted to be part of the crowd. He didn't want to stand out in any way. And it went further and further. Before you know it, he's cursing and swearing, no way in the world. <laughs> Am I part of that crowd over there? Be patient. Be careful what you say. Be careful of your speech. So until he comes, we need to be patient. We need to have some endurance. We need to take the, the example of the farmer. Got to be willing to, to work and labor and be faithful to the Lord, knowing that the harvest will come. We need to be establishing ourselves in our faith. We wonder sometimes why when the going gets tough, that so many end up out of the faith, they end up on the wayside somewhere because they're not established there, praise God. Too many people, they get so excited in their Christianity today and they want something that just makes them feel good, something that they can enjoy, something that they can maybe even rest on in their troubled times. The Bible says we need to be established in our faith. When those storms come, when the difficulties come, that we're grounded, that we're there and those winds aren't going to blow us about. He warns about being blown about by every wind of doctrine. And boy, you can sure get enough of those today. But he wants you to be established. Be patient in your attitude, in your actions, in your speech. But I want you to notice something else here because I'm running out of time and I'm not even on point two yet. Verse 13. Now I'm going to kind of Skip a little bit and come back. I never do that sort of thing. But he says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Now, if I gave you a choice this evening, would you rather be one of the afflicted or one of the merry? Well, why is it that when we're privileged to be on the merry side of that, <laughs> why is it? Now, I don't... I, you know me, I'd never say anything mean to you, right? <laughs> I say this with all the love in the world. Why is it? And stop and think for a minute. I'm saying this with kindness. Why is it that oftentimes when I stand up here and I ask for somebody that has a word of testimony, to share a word of praise, what has God done good for you? Why is it that sometimes I can stand there and stand there and stand there? And I even ask, I says, God not done anything good for you. But you know what happens usually? Somebody finally gets up the nerve and they come up and they give a testimony. And then before you know it, somebody else has given one. And then somebody else. And before you know it, you're all trying to jump up at the same time to come give a testimony. You know, the truth is, folks, when we praise God, you know, this is what he's saying to us here. When you marry, praise God. Give him the credit. We're going to walk around with the long faces enough when things are tough and things are bad. We need to be praising him. We need to be singing those psalms and those hymns. You see, how do you tackle today? You know he's coming, but how do you tackle today? First of all, be patient. Second, by praising him. 
Live a life of praise. Oh, you've got so much. Look at the things. You know, the great hymn writer says, count your many blessings, name them one by one. How many has ever really tried to do that? <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, sometimes you start praying and you say, thank you, thank you. Th and boy, before you realize, you know, Boy, Lord, there's just so much to thank you for. How can I ever thank you for all of it? But the truth is, I'm not surprised a lot of people in the world don't want much of what we've got. <laughs> we go around telling them just how joyful and happy we are. <laughs> With our faces as long as that mule's right. <laughs> Grumbling and griping because this is wrong and that's not right. There, Listen to me. There is not an individual here tonight. Now I know, and I, and, I, and I say this with great compassion. I know some of you've got burdens. I know sometimes some of you've got some real struggles that you're carrying. But I'm telling you, with all the love in the world as your pastor this evening, there's not an individual here doesn't have a lot to praise God for, a lot to praise Him for. While you're waiting, until he comes, praise him. Think of all the good things that he's done for you. You know, it's like I say sometimes, I mean, if I began thanking him now just for what he did just to save me, I could thank him for eternity and never thank him enough. But boy, that was just the beginning. That wasn't even the beginning. He was already taking care of me before he saved me. I look back and if he hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here today, that's for sure. Think of God's goodness. Spend some time praising him. Be happy. Sing the Psalms. Praise the Lord. Give him credit. But notice here, folks, you can literate this one all yourselves. We got patience. We got praise. Guess what the third one is? Prayer. Prayer. Isn't that what he's saying there? Notice what he said. What did he say in verse 13? He said, is any among you Afflicted, let him pray. Afflicted, suffering. Is anybody suffering? Let him pray. Notice he goes on there. First of all, you're suffering. You begin going to God with it. But notice what else he says there in verses 14 and 15. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now I've got a whole bunch written down there, but I'm not even, I'm not even going to begin to try to tackle that. Listen, is any amongst you afflicted, suffering? Let him pray. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the faith healer. <laughs> Let him call for the elders of the church. Now listen, I'm just going to put this real, real simple. When you're a child of God, when you're suffering, when you're afflicted, first thing you do is you start praying, but you're not alone in this. He, doesn't, he sends you to the elders, plural, of the church. 
everything. How many times have I said it over and over? I don't care what it is. I don't care how God's working. We live in the New Testament age and God does what he does through the church. If you're sick, if you got problems, you come to the church, the elders, the, the spiritual leaders, if you would. I mean, some churches has got the pastor of this and the minister of this and the minister of that and the, and the minister of something else. Some churches have got a pastor and, and deacons to help and there's all kind of ways. The fact is, you come to those church leaders and you ask them to pray for you. Now, I got no, you know, the simple fact is, I see absolutely nowhere in Scripture where that he has told me as a Christian to go out there and tell all the sick to come in here and get healed. But I have seen where he tells you that, first of all, if you're saved and if you're a child of God, the very first thing that you ought to do as a Christian, and if you're here tonight and if you haven't, again, I say it with love, but there is absolutely no apology whatsoever. The next step after you get saved is to follow the Lord in believer's baptism and don't be ashamed to identify yourself with him as a believer and you become a part of a local New Testament Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. No, they're not perfect. There is none that's perfect. We don't all do everything the same way. But you need to know that it's a New Testament church. There's a lot of things calls itself a church in this world. But you need to be a part of a church. That's how God uses you. That's what he uses for you. Even here, how do you tackle today? How do you get through today? Be patient. Don't try to run ahead of yourself. Count your blessings. Give him praise. Begin to pray to God and go to your church and ask the church to pray with you about that. Folks, there's no magic in the oil. I'm not ashamed to want somebody with oil and to pray over them as a church. There's no magic in the oil. That's just a symbol. Just like when we take the, the bread or the cup, there's no magic in that. It's symbolic of something. And the truth is, is that what we see here, there is only not no preacher, not no person, it's got some gift that the apostle had. The only glory comes through God's church, his body. He gets the glory, all of the glory. It's not one individual, but you're not alone in this. You're part of a body and we're all there together. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We find that how do you tackle today? First of all, with patience. Patience. Trust him. Trust him. Second, with praise. Take some time to give him thanks for all the goodness. Third, with prayer, individually and coming to your church. Coming to those that are there that God has given you. We've looked at this recently. You know, God's given you those, those, those pastors, those teachers. He's given them to you for a reason, as a gift. We find that you want to Tackle today, do those things, and I'm going to give you one fourth one in closing. Notice what he says in verse 16. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How do you tackle today? Patience, praise, prayer, and may I say this, purity. 
purity, focusing on me. Confess your faults. Boy, that's tough, isn't it? That's really tough. How many times, you know, I wish, and I'm not being mean, I wish that come Wednesday night, I wish that every one of you and everybody that was here this morning and everybody would be here for the prayer meeting. It's so important. And you know what Wednesday night prayer meeting is all about? It's about praying one for another. That's our focus. It's a time that we can share our hearts one with another, that we can share those burdens, those things that, that I need help with right now. And I've said time and time and time again, the devil hates this. The devil wants to keep all your struggles within you, you yourself carrying them, you trying to fight the battle yourself. It's not easy to get before the rest of your church and say, I've got a real struggle with this. I need your help. I'm fighting a real battle here, and I need you to pray with me. Truth is, we need to be willing to do that. But notice that it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. Now, I know, I know that all of my righteousness is filthy rags. But I also know this. I know that it's the righteousness of Christ and him alone that's going to stand before God. But folks, that's what he's talking about here. How do you live a righteous life? Well, there's two imperatives here, confessing and praying. You want to get over the sin in your life? You need to be willing to confess it. And we've looked at that. What was it? I don't, I don't remember a couple Sundays back, finding forgiveness. You know, you got to be willing to confess it. You know, the truth is, you're not going to get forgiveness as long as you're hanging on to it. Repentance is about letting go of it. It's about turning away from it. It's about turning to him. It's about confessing it and seeking that forgiveness. He's telling us here to confess our faults one to another. I know that's tough. The truth is this. If you've truly, if you've got the bond of what the Lord meant, when he built this church and any other church, if that bond is there that ought to be there between us as brothers and sisters in Christ, as one family, the truth is I ought not to think less of any one of you and neither one of you should think less of anybody else because they admit a fault or a sin in their lives. They're seeking help for it. Folks, that's not nothing. You know, you do, do you know how much strength it takes to come out before somebody else and say, I need prayer with this. I need help with this. But you know, so many times people will let those sins burden them down and get in their way and stay there and they just eat away at them. Confess and pray. They're both in the present tense. They're both an action that you need to do right now in your life. You know that prayer is completely ineffective without purity. Sin separates you from God. Effectual, fervent prayer. Effectual, fervent prayer. You know that in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, there's one word that's an adjective that's used there for that whole effectual, fervent that we had to come up with in the English to try to describe it. I should let Penal come up here and, and pronounce it for me. <laughs> Energio, which is what we get our word energy from. One adjective. 
It stresses hard labor. In other words, it's not just a few pious words. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Folks, I'm not saying, we're not talking here. You know, we, we've, we've looked in the scriptures where people can get on the street corners and they can just cry out for everybody to hear them. You've heard me say time and again, most of the time, the most ineffectual prayer in all the world is public praying because people are more concerned about what somebody else is thinking about their prayer than they are just communicating with God. The effectual, fervent prayer. You know, something that's effectual is something that comes from within. It's got feeling to it. Something that's, that's, that's fervent is something that, that's got some fire behind it, if you would. It's, it's stressing your heart. In other words, get serious about this thing. Mean business with God. Too many of our prayers are just automatic words because we know we've learned so well all the right words to pray. We're not praying from our heart. We're not praying with feeling. I've said time and time and time again, do we want people in our community really to be saved? And we could pray, oh God, please save all these people. Most of the time what we need to be praying for before we start praying for them to get saved is for God to work on my heart and give me some real compassion that I really care about what's happening to their souls. Jesus, when he looked on them, he hurt for them. How often do we hurt for the lost people? How often do we hurt for one another? Because our brother or our sister is hurting and they're suffering and we feel that. Folks, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about a prayer that comes from within you. When was the last time you were lost in prayer? I mean it. You know, most of the time when we're praying, the least thing can happen. It'll distract us and take us away. When was the last time you were praying and an earthquake could come through and you wouldn't know it? Because you're there with God. You're praying from within you, not just the intellect that you know with all those pious words that we know. How do you get through today? How do you tackle today? Be patient. Trust God. Give him praise for all the wonderful good things he's doing in your life. Pray yourself and get your church praying with you and for you. Purity. You see, Sin separates us. We've got to confess that sin. We've got to get rid of that sin. We want the righteousness of Christ. Do we want that access to God? Jesus Christ is still the only way. It's the only way your sins could be forgiven when God saved you, and he's still the only way as a child of God that you can take care of those sins. Remember, we talked about finding forgiveness. Folks, the way to deal with sin doesn't change from the time you lost to the time you get saved. We deal with sin the same way. Truth is, here, if we want to tackle today, instead of grumbling and grumbling about everybody else, we need lives that are righteous. We need to be in Christ we need to get rid of all those weights and those sins and those things that hinder us from really having that walk with him. We need to get serious about our Christian walks. It's not just something that we do when we've got time and there's nothing else in the way. It is our life. Everything about it. There is nothing in our lives that's more important than him and his work and his service. He comes first above everything else.
find that, again, there's a lot of things that we could say. But if I'm going to keep my promise and preach shorter than I did this morning, I'm going to have to quit. Amen. Listen. Do you know? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved and on your way to heaven? Listen. There is nothing in all the world. And I know, and, I, and I'm looking around, and I, I don't physically see many people here tonight except maybe some of the younger ones that haven't made a profession or at least told me you've made a profession at some time. I'm just asking you as honestly as I know how, do you know with absolute certainty? I didn't make it up. Baptist didn't make it up. Jesus said, ye must be born again. Okay? Do you know that? Because I would sure hate to have to tackle today or tomorrow or the next day. He is coming. I sure wouldn't want to tackle it without him. I sure wouldn't want to face his return and not be ready. Do you know him this evening? Secondly, Christians, are you handling some tough things right now? Well, let me ask you this. In the burdens and the struggles and the things that you're carrying, have you been patient and really trusted God with it? Have you been praising him for the goodness <laughs> Have you been praying and taking it to your church to pray with you for it? And finally, are you living a life of purity? Can you know that your prayers are even being answered? Are you able to pray from your heart? There's nothing, nothing between you and him this evening. You see, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying this evening, hey, you want to tackle today? You need to make sure you're saved. You need to make sure, Christian, that the sin's dealt with in your life and that you're walking with him and he's got the right place in your life. And I'll guarantee you this, when you get there, it begins to get easy to praise him. It gets a whole lot easier to pray too. You can't wait to have a conversation with him. But you want to tackle today? If any of those areas begin to slip in your life, it's going to tough. Now, I had a whole bunch of stuff in my notes that I'm not even going to get to. You know what it is that sanctifies our lives? That right there, the Word of God. That's what will cleanse us, folks. That's what will help us reach that righteousness. <laughs> Nothing else. Truth is, you want to tackle today? Well, you can tackle today. Do you have Jesus to tackle today? And if you do have Jesus, are there things in your life that you just maybe need to bring to this altar and leave there tonight? I love the old, I'm not sure what it was. I guess it was, I don't know, it might have been Southern Gospel. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, amen. No matter where you are, where you've been, what you've done, it's all level at the foot of the cross. That's where you need to come this evening. You need to come to the foot of the cross. And if you're here this evening, there's one person that would like to see you walk right back out those doors and just, even though God's spoken to you, so I can handle this, <laughs> Yeah, I've heard something. That, that's that's going to help me. I'll, I'll, I'll work on that tomorrow. His name's Satan. He wants you to put it off. But I believe if you hear this evening, there might be that still small voice that's speaking to you too. That one is called the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe he's telling you, you don't need to leave here tonight without dealing with this. You don't have that assurance of knowing you're saved. You need to know it before you leave here tonight. Christian, if there is anything in your life that's not been dealt with, you need to come and deal with it. Oh, I'll deal with it. No, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. You need to deal with it now. Get it out of the way where that, that Satan don't even have a, a wedge to get in there. Let some of your brothers and sisters in Christ pray with you tonight even. There is nothing magical about walking down the aisles of this church that's going to do anything for you. But there is something very important about not just you, but you and your church praying together. Praying together for those problems, those difficulties. Defeat Satan. Give Jesus Christ the rightful place in your life. Maybe there's some fresh commitments you need to make. Maybe there's something you need to give up on that you need to surrender. We're going to sing our closing hymn. What did I pick for a closing hymn? Day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. I'm not going to play on your emotions. I'm not going to say anything else to you. You've heard God's word as simple as it might have been this evening. We're going to sing this hymn. I think it's got about four verses to it. We're going to sing that as our closing hymn. All I'm saying to you, maybe there's something you need to deal with in your life right where you are. Maybe this evening you need to come down and you need somebody else to pray with you. You need to deal with this thing in a way that it can be, you can tackle today. Yes, praise God. Jesus Christ is coming again. You need to know that you're ready to face him in order to tackle today. You need to know that you're walking arm in arm and hand in hand. He's there with you every day. But don't let something be separating you. Don't let something get in the way that you need to deal with in your life right now. If you need to come, I'm saying you've got brothers and sisters in Christ here that will gladly and willingly pray with you here this evening to help you get victory over that as we stand and as we sing. And if you need to come, please do so. Mm -hmm.